Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are talking libraries with Jeffrey Archer, Dean of University Libraries at Baylor. In that role, he provides leadership throughout Baylor's library system. He came to Baylor in 2020 from McGill University in Montreal. Prior to that, he spent more than two decades with the University of Chicago Library. University libraries play a significant role in Baylor research and scholarship, providing students, faculty, and researchers around the globe with diverse resources, ranging from digital scholarship to special collections and more. Dean Jeffrey Archer with us on the program today, and welcome. It's really great to uh, great to have you on this afternoon. Well, it's exciting to be here. Uh, I've learned so much from Baylor Collect, uh, Connections over the uh, my preparation and coming, and it's it's I feel honored to be part of the program. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's no shortage of great colleagues of yours that we have to interview. So now I'm glad we can have you on, on that, that list for, for, for sure. And I'm sure as we are uh, preparing for a, a semester, uh, things, are, uh, things are certainly uh, busy for you. But here, I'm curious to, to start off with, you know, when I was in college, many times I said, like most students do, I'm headed to the library and I met Moody Library. When you hear the library, what does that mean to you? Or if we could see it through your eyes, when you start thinking about the library, does the term the even begin to scratch the surface of what you're thinking of? Because I know what's under the hood, I obviously will be thinking much broader than that. Mm -hmm. But at all universities, the, the library is considered the third space. So you students, uh, where they live, say a dorm or the apartments, they're in classes, and where else is home for them? And really that's where the library is thought of as the heart of the university, because that's where students will study, they'll sleep a little bit, they'll have community with one another as they're studying, and, uh, and they'll eat. It's not like when maybe you and I were in college, it's, uh, you would get frowned upon even trying to sneak something to drink in, and here we'll have somebody bringing in a to-go box from um, from Penland, or they're getting uh, Chick-fil-A delivered in the parking lot and bringing it inside the building. Uh, so it's rich, really much more holistically like that. But, but we do have large libraries like Moody and Jones, and then we have uh, the wonderful assets of our special libraries. You mentioned special libraries. So when we talk about university libraries here at Baylor, I know there's libraries themselves, there's collections. What all, what all are we discussing under that umbrella? So for me, and, and this is when I think of what does I, I think of what does the provost envision when she's talking to me and says university libraries, and that's where you know it's Moody and Jones Library, it's Pogue for Legislative History, it's the Keston Institute, it's the Texas Collection and University Archives, it's the Institute for Oral History, and it's the Armstrong Browning Library, and those are sort of like the containers in which we have collections and people and services. But then I have an entire unit, the, the library uh, and academic technology services, which is fully integrated to the backbone of the university. So they take care of Canvas, so the course management system. We have instructional designers that help faculty design their classes and do interactive and active learning for our graduate and professional education programs. I have the, the unit here uh, headed by Connor Cree that is responsible for all of the technology and classrooms across campus. So it's, it, it, there are many layers 
to that and then the entire unit that takes care of all of our acquisitions that no one sees. Well, you say, Connor, I got to think he's got, he and his team have a job that uh, is probably, there's no way it can't be dramatically underappreciated just because of how vitally important it is to this campus. It really is. And I, and I think that they have much more brand awareness because of a little thing called uh, COVID-19 and the pivot to online in April of, uh, of 2020. And then all of the work they had to do over the summer in the pandemic where very few people were on, were on campus, but his staff was were transforming classrooms to fully support hybrid instruction through many of our larger classrooms that had almost no technology before. Um, and I should clarify, uh, underappreciated because most of us don't know what they do, but I'm glad we can give them a little <laughs> bit of, of appreciation here on the program as we visit with Jeffrey Archer, Dean of University Libraries. And so, uh, so Dean Archer, you came here to Baylor in 2020, been in Chicago and McGill. Let's go back even a little before that, though. Your love of libraries, where did that grow? And particularly, where did that lead you down this career path? I uh, grew up near Champaign and uh, Urbana in Illinois and ended up going to University of Illinois to pursue a uh, bachelor's in economics. And I put myself through school. So I worked between 50 and 60 hours a week. Uh, but 30 of those hours a week was at the undergraduate library at University of Illinois. And there, if you can imagine the garden level of Moody Library, take that down two floors. So it was totally underground um, and a big atrium in the center. But I was a shelver and then I was a circulation assistant uh, working 20, 30 hours a week there my entire four years. And I was seeing the, the kind of uh, services that the librarians were able to provide students. And it may, it's, may sound like a heretic, but I'm not a reader. I don't read like that. Uh, I'm an economist and uh, a business librarian. So it was about data and research, but I liked how what they did in their work, they they help somebody connect to the resources that help answer a question or help people go down the road. So it's that piecing together, doing interviews with people one-on-one, -on -one, what are you really looking for and understanding sort of like the information ecosystem, how can we connect these things to get you the right stuff that will help you answer your questions? And for me, that's the bread and butter of my profession. And that's what got me interested. How can I help people make those connections at, at a university? And I was lucky to immediately go from the undergrad program straight into the uh, uh, library science program and had a grad assistantship in art and architecture library for three years um, working there. So even though I was knew I would focus in business, I got a much more well-rounded appreciation for the, the humanities side of librarianship. Mm -hmm. How have you know you talk about that basic function of connecting people to it, providing information and connecting people to it? You know, that remains unchanged, but in a lot of ways, the delivery methods have changed and the resources have changed. So I know this is a broad question when I ask, but thinking back for you from Illinois to now, what are some ways you've seen libraries uh, on college campuses change in terms of the role they play or the services they provide? Really, some of the the biggest changes has just been the, the information age changing, going from print to having those early abs, indexes and abstracts. I mean, we may have paged through Reader's Guide or Business Periodical Index to try to identify articles. We'd go the, then to a catalog or a card catalog to find out where that journal was. We'd find the journal. We'd find those pages. We'd look at the article. We may or may not just sit there and read it or do the old-fashioned copy them. And we'd staple it together and put it in our binder. 
And usually there were only two or three, maybe subject special indices in your discipline. And it's been nothing but an absolute explosion of new databases and disciplines. So if you go to something like business or even humanities, would probably even worse. In the past, you would have had maybe MLA for literature. And now there's probably going to be 10 other competing databases. So which database does a student choose? Or do they just do JSTOR or Google Scholar? Or maybe they don't even do Google Scholar. They do regular Google. So I think now, instead of in the past, you were much more dependent on the physical and mediation and help. What we're having to do, because people are wanting immediate access, is some of the delivery is chat online, video online, helping people. But we now need to be build systems that help you narrow down yourself, that, that empowerment for people to self-direct to resources. So we need to describe them better. We need to organize them better. And then we are integrated into classes uh, like the early writing program. Uh, all the students in that program get uh, library instruction so they know how to use databases. They know how to think about resources and evaluate. Because at this point, uh, everyone's overwhelmed. How do you screen through all this? How do you choose the right source? And it's not going to get any easier. Uh, so true, that yeah. requires more training. And because people otherwise will have people relying only on Google search and re using their top, their first 10 results. And we know good scholarship and good reader, readers, as well as those seeking truth. You can't go with the, just the first things that come here. You need to be able to wrestle with those tougher questions and go deeper and go broader and go broader than what we can provide here. Our challenge now, any library in the past would have long, maybe in the 70s, we're thinking, okay, we can buy exhaustively in this subject area. Nobody can do that now. So we rely on our partners. So for us, for example, uh, we received here at Baylor over 6,000 items last academic year from other institutions for our students and faculty. We, that was 6,000. Now we received 8,000 that were online only. So in addition to the six, we had 14,000 items total from other institutions and 8,000 of that was, was just electronically. Wow. And other institutions are relying on us. So, you, you know, as, as Baylor really is already an R1 institution within the library from my perspective, even before I came, we actually lent out uh, more materials than we brought in from other institutions. So we, we received 6,000. We lent out almost 7,000 physical items. That's great. We received online uh, 8,000 items from other institutions, and we actually lent out uh, over 10,000 items electronically to other institutions. So it is a really different network, and that's how R1 institutions operate. You, you can't get everything, so we need to make sure that we have systems in place that makes it easier for you to discover materials that we don't own and make it really seamless for our, our faculty and students to think broader than what we have here at Baylor because that's good research. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Jeffrey Archer, Dean of University Libraries at uh, Baylor. And 
Dean Archer, you know, you mentioned uh, R1 and uh, Baylor achieved R1 recognition last uh, last December, about a year after you got here. So let's talk about the role that a library plays. You know, you mentioned already R1 level libraries when you got here. Um, how much did uh, Baylor's uh, mission and vision uh, lead to you wanting to take this job? Because you've been at some great universities, first of all, and then I want to ask you more about that research role. I really have. So when I was at the point where I was considering um, possible a next move and move up to a, a dean or a director of a university library and Baylor came up, I, I really took my time to learn about Baylor. Uh, the special collections are just absolutely amazing. Historical physical collections that are really deep in religion, philosophy, literature, and history. But Baylor's also really invested um, in their online resources. Online resources allow you to do digital humanities and with the Riley Digitization Center, creating corpuses of materials that are allowing research that could not have been done if they had not been transformed into this new environment. You take that and then we have Josh Ben who's doing uh, digital and data scholarship um, boot camps for faculty in the summer. So he's taking humanities faculty and, and essentially upskilling them and how to use Python sentiment analysis in their, in their work, looking at scriptures or historical documents in different ways that are using machine power that helps them answer those new questions. So to me, I, I was seeing the breadth of these kinds of things that are happening at other institutions and in some cases, uh, out surpassing what I was seeing being done at McGill or University of Chicago. You, know, you mentioned the digital humanities. It's been uh, probably like almost a couple of years now, but we had Stephen Reed, who at the time was a Truett faculty member, and he still holds an appointment there now. He's the vice provost for uh, faculty diversity and belonging, but he went through that uh, yes, through the digital did. humanities uh, project, and uh, Josh Ben helped him take his research into uh, African-American perspectives on the book of Deuteronomy and use a computer to really just accelerate his ability to, to read, to discover, to, to find patterns that maybe the human eye could miss after reading a lot. And it was really, really fascinating. And I know you have faculty members in English and in history and any number of humanities disciplines that are, that are taking part of it. What, what does that mean to you all? And I guess how invigorating is it when you think about you know, faculty members who are eager to learn new skills and to do so in ways that, you know, I guess provide new knowledge for, for others around them through through these programs. It's exciting. And I think, you know, when you use the term mission and vision, I also think of strategic plan. And okay, I may not be a reader in the traditional sense, but I am a librarian. And just that having a strategic plan illuminate is invigorating for me. So when when I think about the the new kind of research that's empowered by digital humanities. It doesn't replace the deep thinking that has to play, be put in place, but these things can highlight and bring things to a surface that really human beings can't do because of the scale that we're talking about. Um, and to me, then, then it's creating new knowledge. And where does that new knowledge go? It goes out into the world. And why not be Baylor? Why, why can't that be Baylor really sharing those areas of digital humanities excellence as we go forward in, in our R1 endeavors. And that's what's also exciting about a, uh, a academic focus areas that's not tied to a single department. So if we think of the one area of data science, and you and I are now talking about Josh Ben and, and empowering faculty with these summer faculty fellowships in data science, we're bringing humanist 
into that data science category because data science wasn't restricted to computer science or or any other you know hard hard coding kind of discipline. Absolutely, you know it's really exciting to uh, to to see, and it's empowering these different disciplines to play even bigger roles in uh, in advancing their research. As we visit with Jeffrey Archer, Dean of University Libraries, you know I know what you just described. In a lot of ways, that research piece takes place at all throughout all different collections and uh, through the different libraries on uh, campus. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, we, we don't, I know that we don't have time to really highlight every collection that we've got here, but what stands out to you about the grouping of collections that we have? And maybe could you even take us inside how people outside of Baylor utilize these? This is where uh, there's, there's two elements of it. One is that we have ex amazing physical special collections. I mean, Armstrong Browning with the Browning letters and original manuscripts, uh, Keston uh, Library. I've, I've seen some uh, testimonials that have been smuggled out of former uh, Eastern European countries, even written on rolls of toilet paper. Wow. Um, you have the Black Gospel Archive and many of the KWVU listeners are, list are familiar with Shout and Bob Darden. Absolutely. Uh, but now we have a physical space that housed the collection that we have. And because we've done it so well, we're, we're working with a potential donor who's going to provide us with over 10,000 LPs. Uh, one That's of the great. largest private collections is coming here. Um, so it, there's just such a mixture. I'm also more of a, a personal explorer of the outside. So the map collection over in the uh, Texas Collection University Archives is one of the special things to see how we've captured the uh, our understanding of our environment through maps and how it's changed as technology has changed. But I was looking at a few maps uh, earlier today from the 1600s and how they thought Texas was shaped and how it was sort of connected and what rivers were there. Um, and, uh, and seeing the, uh, the Comanche Indian portion of, uh, of Texas and the Waco Indian, that was not Waco City, but Waco Indian at the time when the, uh, a map was being done. So I, I think it's really a those are the kinds of things that are, are exciting. But everything that we've been digitizing, someone doesn't have to come here. So the 100 years of the Baptist standard that we just digitized, a scholar from Europe can come to our digital collections. They can listen to the Black Gospel. They can listen to Black Preaching Project materials. They can scan our architectural diagrams of campus. They can actually look at the Armstrong Browning handwritten manuscripts. Well, that's so uh, people can check that out. If you just Google uh, universe, Baylor University uh, Archives or Baylor University Digital Collections, there's a lot that you can uh, you can find that you just described in short order as we visit with Dean Jeffrey Archer and Dean Archer. As we end the final uh, few minutes of the program, uh, I want to ask you uh, first, uh, what's ahead in the new school year uh, at University Libraries? Are there any new projects or anything about which you're particularly excited for 2022-23? I know everyone I keep running into across campus are saying, will Starbucks be ready? Yes, it will. <laughs> Starbucks will be open in the movie library. Uh, one of the most exciting projects that, that we've pulled together this summer uh, with funding from myself, the provost, and for the parent advisory committee is to fund faculty fellowships to replace commercial course materials with open educational resources. So reducing student costs, which is right in line with the president and the provost's goals of increasing our retention and reducing the gaps in graduation rates. Uh, so we have 10 faculty 
we provided $64,000 in fellowships, which if things work out as they were projected, we'll be saving in year one over $300,000 in students' costs wow. with a 65000 And that cost will then be saved again next year and the third year. So that's huge. And so now my next goal is to get money for next year's summer fellowships because I know that that's where... I'm just passionate about the students and I want students to have spaces that allow them to flourish uh, resources that don't strain them. So they're not having to choose between um, food or books or, you know, so really being conscious of that because it will have an impact, particularly with our first generation students Mm -hmm. and underrepresented students. So it's, and our Pell uh, recipient students. So I I think that that's really uh, what I'm excited about. Next uh, spring, we're going to have uh, our, our large Pruitt Symposium on uh, Andre Crouch. So we're, that, that will bring many of the uh, performers that he worked with actually on campus as well as scholars. Well, Dean Archer, a lot to look forward to. And you mentioned a lot of great resources. If people are interested in uh, becoming involved in sporting university libraries or just learning more about that, what are some ways they can do that? I think really exploring the university library's website, there's a lot of information. Uh, You already mentioned our digital collections, Uh, but I'll still continue to always accept things in the Library Dean's Excellence Fund. But one part of of really supporting university libraries is to use it, particularly with the KWBU audience. I really like to promote the idea that we're a community library. So that any member of the, our region, if they start with their local public library and they ask for a text share card, with that text share card, they can come to Moody and Jones libraries, identify materials on the shelf and check them out themselves. Um, and most people don't realize that. I so did not know that myself. Get your text share card and there are no turnstiles here in Moody and Jones and the special libraries. If you have an interest in Victorian literature, visit the uh, Armstrong Browning uh, Museum and Library, uh, Texas History, go to our Texas collection, come to the Moody and Jones Library. We have the St. John's Bibles. Uh, Anyone from the public can come in during the day and request those and sit and spend a couple hours paging through the St. John's Bible. That's great. Well, so great to know that people in the community can get involved as well with the uh, Tech Share card and come see our beautiful facilities and all that we have to offer. Well, Dean Archer, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to share. I learned a few new things uh, and I'm excited that uh, we could share this as well. So I hope it's a great year for you and all your colleagues uh, in the library system ahead. Well, thank you much so much for our conversation. And if you haven't been here uh, recently, come uh, see me and I'm happy to walk you through our libraries and our new spaces. That sounds great. I look forward to uh, seeing that. Jeffrey Archer, Dean of University Libraries at Baylor, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.